You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How do you fix this mess? We've got longtime Houston Sports Radio host Jason Braddock to help us dissect the Texans' issues. Plus, Jason's got a project about to launch every Houston sports fan will want to hear about, so stay tuned for the details. Welcome aboard, everybody. Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk podcast, along with co-host Brian Patterson from FansidedHouseOfHouston.com. Thanks for diving in to Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. So great to hear your voice, Jason. Thanks for dropping in on us. Oh, man, it's always, always a pleasure. Love to get the invite. And, uh, yeah, we got something special going on now. So we're getting fired up. Uh, hopefully the Houston Texans can turn a corner here uh, within the next week so they they don't damper our parade a little bit. But, uh, yeah, other than that, man, I'm fired up, excited, always love to talk about Houston sports. Yeah, we need to get this third team in on the action here in Houston. And, Boy, it would help with uh, people staying with us. We want to stay. With, we're going to make it interesting. Going to make it fun for you, no matter what happens with the Texans. But hopefully, they can get it turned it around. And, and Jason, Bill O'Brien, he's nearly took all the blame from the fans for what's happened to start the season. Do you think that's fair? And, and what are you seeing, just from a big picture standpoint? Oh yeah, one hundred percent is fair. I mean, all all. Uh... All this entire off season and last year, when there was talk about a um, extension for Bill O'Brien, they, I, I, I would almost lose it on radio. I mean, you could hear the passion come out because I, it did not make sense to me. Bill O'Brien has never shown to be a quality NFL coach. If anything, he has proven to limit and hold his team back. We saw it with Deshaun. I put out so many stats last year talking about the NFL league-wide record for teams that score over 30 points, 33 points, I think it was, on the offense. And at that time, there was something insane like 52 and one those teams win when they scored 33 or more points last year well Deshaun Watson had just came off of six straight games and the Texans were three and three let that set in and don't quote me on the exact stat but it was like 52 and one or 52 and two for the entire league and your Houston Texans and your head coach Bill O'Brien was three and three when they scored 33 or more points Everything has always pointed back to coaching. The extension never made sense. But Bill O'Brien and the Texans, they had you so distracted that they, they sidetracked you with the Bob McNair. They sidetracked you with the Rick Smith. And there had been so much of a hate for Rick Smith in this city for so long. And I understand. You can say Rick Smith's not the greatest GM of all time. I'm fine with that. But the hate for Rick Smith was so exaggerated. Yes, there was holes in his visions where he would miss on third-round draft picks and some mid-round picks. There was uh, decisions like letting A.J. Boyer walk. There were bad decisions. But when you're in a place for over a decade – and you make decisions, people will always amplify your misses, and it's not a fair scale uh, uh, against your makes and your hits and the different things. People will always point out, he let A.J. Boyer walk in free agency. Absolutely, it was stupid. I said immediately if they didn't franchise him, they gave up the leverage, and it would be stupid to let that young man walk. But in the same breath, they forget that Rick Smith and his evaluation and the staff he built found A.J. Boyer as an undrafted free agent, found Arian Foster as an undrafted free agent. And I could go on and on. I want to get off my tangent here, but the, the, to, 
to make this short, I will say this. Every arrow is pointing at Bill O'Brien, and he should absolutely 100% take the blame because every excuse he has made over the last couple of years, he did not have this year. He rebuilt an offense for Deshaun Watson that had averaged, I mean, what was it? Deshaun was averaging 34 points over his last five starts or something insane like that um, from last season. And Bill O'Brien, what was the genius decision he had? I'm going to rebuild the offense this entire offseason. So while Deshaun uh, Watson is focusing on coming back from tearing an ACL in his second knee, I'm going to make him learn his second offense in his second year. He's the dumbest coach that we have seen in quite some time. The dumbest I league coach there's possibly ever seen. He's such a smart man, but his ego gets in the way and blocks him from making decisions like hiring an offensive coordinator. He will make the wrong decisions by start as a head coach year one without an offensive corner, correct that decision by getting an offensive coordinator, go back to that same dumb decision of not having an offensive coordinator. He will take a strength of an offensive line with the Dwayne Brown, Chris Myers, Ben Jones, Brandon Brooks, and Derek Newton in over four to five years of being in the same place, completely take that strength and make it a weakness with the offensive line we see now that was the worst in the NFL last year. And after this week three game with the New York Giants is clearly the worst in the NFL again this year. Bill O'Brien in year five is responsible for the way the team performs on the field, the penalties, all the mistakes. It all goes on your head coach when he's been in place for five years. And it's Amplified when in the last two weeks he's had loss to head coaches in their first first season with their team as a head coach. And in Mike Vrabel's case, coach, uh, excuse me, case, a situation in which he was the guy that we all blamed for the defense flopping last year, as we see the defense flop to start this year. And now he goes and takes the Tennessee Titans off to a two-on-one start, beats the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's insane. And he beat your Houston Texans with Blaine Gabbard and their two starting tackles out of the game. It's Bill O'Brien. Sorry, people. Sorry to go on a tangent, but I mean, every detail, every fact points to Bill O'Brien. It's a terrific tangent. It's a terrific tangent. I just want to ask you right quick, what do you think in terms of the, the problem is? Is it that he's too power hungry uh, with this situation or is he not letting his coaches you know, because, you know, a great a great leader is all about delegating duty. It's OK to delegate because you can't do everything. But is he so power hungry? He's hurting the team because of, you know, what we're in right now. I mean, they just I think Bill O'Brien, you know, he offensive coordinator, head coach. That's just too much for one man to handle. And it's it's OK to delegate. Do you think that that's what's hurting us right now? That is the main reason why we're not uh, performing as well on offense. It's all, all a factor of it. Yeah, it's all a factor of it. He went from sucking as a, a head coach to back to being a sucky head coach and offensive coordinator to now being a, he- a sucky head coach, offensive coordinator, and GM. Because make no mistake about it, when they said the keyword hashtag alignment 5,000 times when he got his boy Brian game back in the house and the, what they had always told us or hinted to was the problem, the division between him and Rick Smith. Now he had that alignment. And I had told everyone, that is a dirty word. He is pushing that 
as the great model of why the Texans will now flourish and go on to great success. And I was telling everyone, it's not the, the positive word he's pushing it as, but it's the dirty word. It is that alignment that now everyone will go with what I want and do what I want. Well, that was the problem when the team had struggled on the field, and now it's going to be a struggle in evaluations as they continue to go on. Because you can go back and read my tweets before the draft when I said that if Martinez, Martinez Rankin is there in the third round, the Texans will draft him. And I evaluate this guy as an all-pro guard but does not have the ability to play tackle. He doesn't have the feet. But I'm hearing from my sources that Bill O'Brien and the Texans love him as a tackle and hope for him to be the week one left tackle. Martinez Rankin was the week two starting left tackle for the Houston Texans. Yes, I know Texans, excuse me. I know Central Henderson was injured, but if I can tell you what Bill O'Brien's going to do before he even makes the draft pick, then drafts the guy and does exactly what he does six months before, you tell me, was the evaluation process ever truly opened or did he do exactly what I told you he would do before the draft? There's no evaluation process. There was no evaluation process when they had a quarterback competition between Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett. I had pictures from inside Bill O'Brien's office of the charts of every pass and every practice that Hoyer and Mallett took that showed that Mallett either beat Hoyer or was at least even right before he went out to the media the next day and said that Brian Hoyer clearly won the job. Everything about Bill O'Brien has always been a lie. It's always been a fraud. He is a fraud, and he's never accomplished anything, but somehow he got an extension through 2022 after a 4-12 and season. It's, Preach, Brother Jason. Yeah, Keep it on. I was about to say, it's uh, we're, we're in church. It's not Sunday, but we're, we're in church. <laughs> hold, hold that anger for just a second, Jason, because I'm going to come back to you. Uh, I just got to take a second, though. We got two new Locked On Network shows Locked on Fantasy Football 24-7. The latest news, waiver suggestions, and injury news over there. We've also got Locked on Fantasy Football loaded with amazing expert guests. Monday, Tom Kessinich. Tuesdays, Eric Edholm. Wednesdays, Jeff Ratliff and Tyler Lochner. Make sure to check both of those out. Also, you know where to go if you need to make a wager. Go to my bookie. Who you're betting on, it's just as important as who you're betting with. They've been in business for years. Great reviews. Got a mobile website that's easy to use. I would only recommend a service that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. In-game live, betting over unders on fantasy, points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. You know who I'm talking about. My bookie slammed. Uh, they're slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m. Central, they're going to give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. If you wait till 6 p.m., you can get an extra $25 free play by using promo code LOCKEDON. 25 locked on 25 for an extra $25 free play. Go ahead and wait till after dinner. Take the extra money. It's the way to go. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, Jason, you touched on the offensive line. That's something I wanted to get into you with because uh, Mike Devlin, you talk about Bill O'Brien making these decisions 
What's Mike Devlin doing? I mean, it seems like it started falling apart with Mike Devlin. Is is he part of the issue? Because uh, me and Brian have talked about the fact that we didn't understand why Davenport, they were trying to move him over from left tackle to right tackle and, and not playing him at all in the preseason or in OTAs or in minicamp over at right tackle if they thought Martinez Rankin was the left tackle of the future. Uh, where is Devlin in on this, and what do you think about Davenport and what they've done to him? Well, as far as Devlin and uh, O'Brien and the offensive line and evaluations, the proof's in the pudding. They took one of the strongest offensive lines in the NFL, and people say, well, Dwayne Brown asked to leave. That was in year four of Bill O'Brien. Well, Chris Myers retired. What was that, year two? of Bill O'Brien. Well, Brandon Brooks left in free agency. He left because he hated playing for Bill O'Brien and has since said that on the record. And he had said that off the record here locally. We can say that now because he said it now on the record and people will still doubt him. Ben Jones, they let walk, had no issue with that, replaced him with Nick Martin. But when you're replacing one out of five and downgrading everything else, who, who do you blame except the, the coach who got his type of guys? Go back to original press conference when, from Bill O'Brien where he said, we want to change our identity. We want bigger, stronger, faster offensive linemen. Go back and look at the draft philosophy and how it changed. The people that they blame Rick Smith for missing, but Rick Smith has always changed his draft philosophy to adapt to the coach and the system. Go back and listen to what Rick Smith said in the past. And he said, I didn't really know the 3-4. Uh, a ton when it came to personnel, but then when we had coaches that, and we switched to a three per, four personnel, I went and talked to the coaches and asked what they got, and then he always gave these coaches exactly what they wanted. That's why you hear about the scout and Wade Phillips and they their love for J.J. Watt. That's why you hear about them getting guys like Arian Foster and A.J. Boyer without having to use a draft pick as undrafted. You're talking about top-of-the-game talent at running back and cornerback that they got for nothing just because of the valuation and the scouts that Rick Smith had that are now out of the building now that Bill O'Brien's got his alignment with Brian Gain. Where do you think Rick Smith's scouts went that have done so well hitting on the first round every single year with the exception of the Mobia Coye pick? You're talking about over a decade and everyone's like, well, you're posted on first round picks. Dumbest thing you can say. If you believe that every uh, GM has hit nine out of 10 first round picks in a decade. I cannot discuss the NFL draft with you. And if you believe that any GM has done better than what Rick Smith, Rick Smith has done after the 24th or 25th pick in the first round, then you are insane. Rick Smith, after the 25th pick in the draft, I believe it was, got Whitney Merciless. Rick Smith, after the 25th pick in the draft, got Dwayne Brown, who was the seventh or eighth tackle taken in the first round that year. Rick Smith, after the 25th pick in the draft, got DeAndre Hopkins. Rick Smith, after the 25th pick in the first round, with those first round picks we always take for granted, got this quarterback. I don't know. His name's Deshaun Watson. Fix the offensive line if you can with the guys in the building. What would you do? Chad Slade would be my right tackle. Zach Bolt would be my, I mean, excuse me, not right tackle. He's not a tackle either. Bill O'Brien keeps screwing with him, trying to play him at right tackle, left guard and right guard. That's the biggest Bill O'Brien mistake with the offensive line. He wants versatility, bigger, stronger, faster. Go back and look at the draft record on Rick Smith and the Bill O'Brien era. They only draft these SEC, Pac-12, ACC schools. Small school guys can't hit, you know. They rarely get these small school guys. You may get one out of an entire draft, which was a different philosophy for 
from what Rick Smith had previously did and his draft and tenure here with the Houston Texans and Gary Kubiak. <clears throat> that was a Bill O'Brien thing. Uh, most of the Texans scouts uh, and the uh, front office, with the exception of Bill O'Brien, wanted to move up into the first round in that draft to take Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they said, well, second quarterback slid at the 21st pick. No other quarterback had been taken. Well, Manziel was taken 22nd, and they had a couple different quarterbacks they liked in that draft, and they said, with these guys sliding, we can stay here at 33 and go and get uh, the quarterback we want, just get the guy without having to trade up or move up or anything. I went to bed thinking that night that the voices in that uh, Rick Smith really wanted to trade back and get a King's ransom for that 33rd pick. Most of the scouts and most of the people in that building wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to be that franchise. Bill O'Brien was that voice that says this Xavier Suofilo kid can play all five offensive linemen position in that draft. You can, uh, it's still out there. All this stuff's on social media. I talked to LaCharles Bentley, who was trading uh, Xavier Sue, uh, training Xavier Suofilo for the draft, and he got pissed because I told him I got a first round ga- grade on Gabe Jackson, and I got a third to fourth on Xavier Suofilo. And he said, and he just started insulting me and everything. I said, we'll make a bet and come back and revisit this in three to four years. So a couple years ago, when I reminded him of that, he didn't want to talk about it. But Gabe Jackson, all pro in the league for the Oakland Raiders, Xavier Suofilo, Filo. Uh, is an inactive each week for the Tennessee Titans. So how's he inactive for the Tennessee Titans when he started almost every game here for the Texans? Because Bill O'Brien will not admit that he's wrong, no matter how bad his evaluations are, especially on the offensive line. And that's why you see XSF as a starter at left guard for Texans for so many years and inactive every week for the Tennessee Titans. As far as plugging the hole, uh, you can't do <laughs> – you're going to have to trade somebody. If you want to tackle this year, and I still think everyone's like, well, just wait till next year's draft. you got a first round, two second round. Why would you throw away a season? Don't get so carried away. The NFL season's not like the NBA or Major League where you got a game every two uh, – every day or every two to three days. So we get carried away because one game a week – the story and the narrative changes so much and people get so uh, carried away with it. <clears throat> I remember in fantasy this week, I had Jared Goff and I picked up Ryan Fitzpatrick and everybody thought I was crazy because I had Fitzpatrick on the bench. Number one fantasy score all season long. Look, you can't look at the past. You got to read the tea leaves and see what's going on. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, you, you saw some of the struggles with Fitz and then obviously comes back a little bit and uh, starts making some passes and everything. But I think a lot of times we just live in the past with uh, most of these things. And, and a lot of times we won't admit our mistakes. And with Bill O'Brien, that's his biggest weakness. He will not admit, admit his mistakes with the offensive line. So while you see Eric Flowers get benched at right tackle for the Giants last week, you still see Julian Davenport, Martinez Rankins as your starting tackles. Chad Slade should be your right guard. Zach Fulton should move over to left guard. Center stays Nick Martin. Your two left tackles, you got to get creative. I don't know if you have anyone on the roster. I mean, that's why I say you make a trade because at 0-3, with the way the AFC South is looking, the tight with Blaine Gabbard and a beat-up Marcus Mariota and a missing right tackle just beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the AFC South's still up for grabs. If I'm 0-3, all my guys are still healthy, all my talent's still there, and I got Deshaun Watson, I'm not giving up on the season because I got draft picks the next year. I'm going to take something, and you have to give something to get something. And I know a lot of people hate this, but I'm looking at one of these three pass rushers, Whitney Merciless, Jadavion Clowney, J.J. Watt, and the guy that sticks out to me is Jadavion Clowney. 
Clowney. I know Merciless hasn't come back and shown anything, but Clowney, with what you're going to have to pay him, what it's going to cost you, his injury history, it's not worth it. Try to go out there and get you a tackle and try to get you a draft pick in return. Other than that, I mean, there, you don't have anything on the roster for that tackle position, but you can't fix that interior with Kelamente out. Zach Fulton, left guard, Chad Slade, right guard, call him up on the practice squad, Nick Martin, center, and then y'all go out there and get a trade done for one of those tackle positions. Ana, get your thoughts on Deshaun in, in a second. But first, I just want to remind everybody that if you're enjoying the show, tell your friends, let them know they can find us on Spotify, the Google Podcast app, and iTunes. Support us by sharing our show links with your social media followers to take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. We want you to be a part of the conversation. Email LockedOnTexans at Mail.com. We want to hear from you. Uh, send us an email for questions or comments or whatever you got to say. Let us know. All right, Jason, you just said his name, Deshaun. Uh, we've heard his name a couple of times. What's wrong with him? I don't think anything's wrong with Deshaun. I think, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I've seen some of the bad decisions he's made. I've seen some of the, the dirt ball he's thrown. Here's the thing that we get so carried away that we, you know, a lot of times, you know, you go from point A to point B. And in sports, a lot of times as fans, as we watch the game, all we see is point A to point B, and we don't see all the beauty in between, the 99% of the makeup in between instead of getting the two points. You saw Deshaun hike the ball, and you saw Deshaun throw the ball in the dirt. What's going on with Deshaun? Well, go back in, continue to remind yourself of everything Deshaun has seen in this game. His two tackles, left and right tackle, even with chips against the Tennessee Titans. Go back and watch the, uh, I think it was the last play of the game against the Titans. They sent a two-man rush against a six-man offensive line. Maybe they kept in max protection. I can't remember exactly. But the two-man rush, Jarrell Casey uh, threw Davenport, shook Fulton, and drove past Martin to all Almost sacked Deshaun Watson. That's what's wrong with Deshaun Watson. He knows at any time he can get destroyed, plastered by any of his offensive linemen in front of him, letting him down. As good as Zach Fulton is in the running game, he's sitting in Deshaun Watson's lap almost every pass play. He doesn't anchor. That's what's wrong with Deshaun. And uh, I got another question for you. Just one more question in regard to uh, you were talking about draft picks and Omobi Okoye is, you know, definitely one of the biggest uh, busts in Texans history. But Kevin Johnson is trending toward that way. Can you tell me what has caused the demise of his career? We know he can't stay healthy, but it's all about his approach. Could you describe to, you know, our listeners in terms of what what he should have been doing to keep himself healthy and also what we have at cornerback now, do you think that that's enough? Do you think we need to go out and get somebody to help out with the death? Yeah, the Kevin Johnson question is a good one. Uh, you know, we talked about the first round, and Kevin Johnson, asked, I should have brought that up. Kevin Johnson is starting to look like a, a miss. Uh, and another thing they miscalculated with that is that at that time, they had that <clears throat> good old boy mentality of, oh, not good old boy mentality, but that perfect <laughs> mentality of, hey, we don't want any guys with any problems, so we're not going to touch Marcus Peters. Problem was, I had a top five grade on Marcus Peters, and he was available there for the Texans with that 16th pick, if I'm not mistaken. But but they let him go past and two more picks to the Chiefs and now traded to the Rams, obviously, has been one of the best ball hawking cornerbacks in the league. He is a little bit of a head case. Listen, it's the NFL. It's a game. 
take these head cases. You got to learn how to, you know, manuf- manufacture different personalities to get them to play for you. Say so you can't send a Dwayne Brown away if you don't have a left tackle. You can't pass on a Marcus Peters uh, for a lesser cornerback. I mean, you're making five-year commitments with these picks. So it's good now that they've taken some of those parameters away. They still aren't going to just take straight up turds, which I'm all right with. But they'll take some opportunities on some guys that uh, have some flaws. They're not the uh, Bengals of old or anything like that. But uh, that's limited, Rick Smith, and some of the past drafts. But getting more back to the direct point of Kevin Johnson, uh, I didn't mind the pick. I actually loved the pick because Kevin Johnson had some of the best route recognition I've ever studied of a cornerback in the last decade. I mean, he would break on it better than the wide receivers. He would run a hitch better than the wide receivers. He knew what was coming before they ran. It. Now he always had a slender frame and you had to worry about uh, injury concerns, but he was such a dominant tackler. He had that form. He would come up and take guys down. So I had no problem with that pick of Kevin Johnson there in the first round. And up until this season, I was willing to tell people, let you know, it took Whitney Merciless a, uh, a little while to develop. Don't give up on KJ so quick. Give him another year. With what I saw this year, he was 100% liability on the field, and I have 0% confidence that he will ever be anything. So I've completely done a 180 from this offseason to what I saw Kevin Johnson early in this year because you still got the concerns if he's ever going to stay healthy. And now for the first time, I have the legit concern that this is more than a developmental problem that I don't think Kevin Johnson has the what's the word I don't know if it's mental that he's already shook because he may get injured but he's missing tackle tackles the route recognition is there the pass breakups aren't there the penalties are there so I don't see enough positives to stay invested in him so uh, I wouldn't have him back for 2019 and uh, since uh, before the start of this year I would have never said that but what I saw on the field was an absolute liability can't even be a backup on this team I wouldn't trust him Yeah, I went bad in a hurry. Hey, uh, that's all we got for Texans for this one. But we're going to bring you back next week and talk some more. But before we go, we got to talk about your new project. Tell people what you're doing. Yeah, Houston preeminence is uh, basically over the last 10 years. Back in 2009, I set my mind up that I was going to work in the sports industry no matter what. First eight years, I did radio jobs. I wrote for all these different uh, publications, everything. Never made a dime. Everybody wanted to milk, you know, wanted the milk for free, but never would pay for the cow. And it was eight years. I mean, people had uh, knew me. I started building a little reputation, a little bit of respect, and still couldn't earn money. And people just continued to take advantage of it throughout my entirety of of working in sports and media over the last 10 years. So what I decided that if there's people like me that after they had their fourth kid, early 30s, maybe even later in life, early in life, and then it just hit them that, you know, I want, I got this passion. I want to work in sports. I've watched all these Houston Texans games, Rockets, Astros, maybe it's somebody else. You're an expert, and everything we do in this industry is self-taught. I'm a high school graduate from South Carolina, and I was never trained on any of this. I never went to school for journalism, never went to college. I taught myself everything. I sat back. I learned from the people that did well. I studied myself and uh, was very self-aware and found out what my weaknesses were. I was lucky enough to find uh, great individuals in the Houston media community that would give me feedback and tips and advice and help me along the way and open doors for me. So there was bad things that happened along the way. It was a struggle the last 10 years and why I tried to make this pursuit. I had multiple cars repossessed. I was evicted. I was homeless for over a year. I mean, it, it was a struggle, but I'm still here. 
I still survive, but I don't want all these Houstonians that just have that passion to pursue, but don't have the ability to pursue it, an avenue, a venue. And we have the ability to provide that. The need is there. The will is there. The want to is there. So I've taken all of these people that people have looked at myself that never looked the part or sounded the part or the resume didn't look right or the social media followers wasn't high enough. And I I built an anti-business model where these Houstonians that want to work in sports, uh, work in and be that expert and just learn how to get polished and get free training classes on creative writing and a draft evaluation, film study, and everything else along the way. And while at the same time providing back to the community of Houston, their neighbors, experts that have watched every game because the national media has never given Houston the respect that it's deserved and they've never had the knowledge on it. So we are the experts and we will provide that. We'll be a hundred plus strong when we launch next week on October 1st, hundred plus podcasts, video channels, live radio. Uh, We've got a lot of things planned for year, two year, three year, five year, 10, but there's already a lot of people in this market copying it, radio sites, hiring writers. Uh, We've got them shook because the, the need's always been there. Everyone's been too lazy and never gone after it. Houston preeminence next week. We're coming and we're not just doing it with our writers as well. You, you that have the full-time job, but you're still passionate about Houston sports, the community, just Houston in general. And you love talking about it in your spare time. You want to get on there and tweet about all that. How about if you can find other like minds and have this conversation, have it evaluated? Well, that's what you have on our community page at Houston preeminence. You can rise from a zero star where people start out when they come move up to a one star two three even a four star and all of our four stars each year will compete to be the uh one five star hall of famer for houston uh preeminence and win uh an apprenticeship with us and a cash prize as well so we've got so much things to be excited about you get there your posts are tracked you can be in the top 10 in the community based on how people are rating your comments and uh your respect get that hp cred the hp credibility where people see that in houston you have the sports take you have the mindset for it whether you work in sports or not don't let people judge you by your social media followers anymore we'll be able build the platform to take back the message boards and really unify houston Lastly, the most important for me, 10% of all subscriptions sold will go to our 4-H program, across the board, 10%. So what our 4-H program is, helping house Houston's homeless. We will take this money, build this program, and not only give them meals or food and help them out for a day, but we will provide them a path to get back on uh, being a, a contributor to society because we don't believe any human, no matter their race, creed, religion, income level, anything, we believe there's equality. And here in Houston, we go by that MBK mentality, my brother's keeper. And that's what we do when we celebrate here at Houston. In Houston, uh, what we do at Houston Preeminence, because here in Houston in 2018, we were named the most diverse city in America. And by the year 2050, they say the rest of America will look like what Houston does now. We can continue the infighting that's going on in our country now or at Houston Preeminence. And here in Houston, we can be that guiding light of what a city of diversity can be and how strong they can be when they unify. In Houston Preeminence, our mission is to unify it. And we also believe we'll eradicate homelessness by the year of 2030. It's big dreams, but we're pers- Pursuing it, and we're going to work to it to we accomplish it. Because our motto is, you know, <laughs> failure is a lie. You either succeed or you quit trying. He is one of the best human beings in the business. One of the nicest guys. One of 
the smartest and, and most knowledgeable as well on football. It's at Jason Braddock on Twitter, Jason with a Y. If you want to keep up with Houston preeminence, just go to him on Twitter. That's a great way to do it. Look for the website in a week. And uh, so glad to have you back and, and, and going, Jason. We're excited about it. Oh, man, it's Houston sports, man. The passion just comes out, and that's what we'll provide at Houston preeminence. You'll hear our passion, you'll hear our love, and you'll hear us 24-7, 365. Thanks a bunch, Jason. Again, we'll talk to you next week. Don't forget, Brian's stuff is on House of Houston. Uh, It's all in the family. Houston Sports Talk is where you'll find my podcast. Look for that on iTunes, everywhere you find your favorite podcast. Uh, That's all we got for this one, as always. Thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.